Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we are talking to Rob Wainer. Rob is a co-founder of Confluent Health, Text PTS, and Evidence in Motion. He currently serves in the role of Chief of Talent Development and Executive Professional Coach at Confluent Health. He's got some great insight for us on leadership, especially in the kind of crazy times that we're all experiencing these days. So we hope you enjoy this interview as much as we did. Thank you for joining us, Rob, to talk about leadership. And leadership is something very it's hard to avoid as a topic that everybody needs to to learn about. And I just want to know, as somebody who's studied leadership and obviously has delved really deep into this, do you believe that everyone can be or should be a leader? It's a great question. Short answer is yes. What the scope involves, that depends. And when I say yes, everyone needs to be able to lead themselves well first. And that's the foundation for leading others. So Everyone's got to be a leader because you need to lead yourself, at least yourself, well. Does your style of leadership need to change based on your position or your personality? You know, I think maybe there's a third consideration, and that would be your context. So your position and personality certainly play into it. The context, the the organization that you lead, the role you have within the organization, the challenges, the opportunities that you face, those will determine you know what style of leadership, if you would, needs to come into play. And Goldman has described six of those. I think those are good buckets. Uh, and we can talk about those later if you want. But I think context is probably the key here. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm very curious as to what those are, what those six buckets. Yeah. So the six buckets, he talks about this in an HBR or um, Harvard Business Review article that was published quite some time ago in the early 2000s, I believe, 2001. I may be off on that date a little bit, but he talks about, if I can remember them all, there's six of them, two of which are toxic, which would be command and control, and the other would be pace setting. Now, all of them are necessary at times. You think of command and control in wartime, pace setting. It's the tech guru, the person who's highly skillful and thinks everybody needs to be at the same level as well as their work as they are. So while those two have a role, they can be really toxic if you overuse those to any degree. The other four, coaching as a leadership style, probably the least utilized, one of the, the more effective ones as well as the other three. And you know the names, specific names are escaping me. Democratic is one, affiliative, and can't remember the six, but there's five for you. And the article's a great read, so I'd recommend anybody to that article. And he basically says that we default to one or two primary styles naturally and develop those. However, all six of those have certain competencies and skills that we can all gain and then employ them whenever they the context would would call for those elements or styles of leadership. Sticking along with the uh, context theme here, what would you say would be uh, the best leadership style or, or some a few of them, given our current context and, and world situation 
today with COVID-19 and some of us are just coming out of different variations of sheltering in place. And what, what would you say there? Yeah, I, I think that's when your your personality and preference, and I can't remember what was the, the first two that you asked me about, I think personality and what was the other element that-, that The position. Uh, your personality or your, your position, yeah. Yeah, I think those really play into that because we naturally are going to gravitate towards one or the other. And then the people that we're dealing with, well, you know, that in large part then calls forth whether or not you need more of a, a coaching style of leadership to predominate or whether you need more of a democratic style to predominate. People want to have a voice. You're working with elite professionals, what we call elite professionals, doctors, lawyers, and people with a high degree of education. They want to have a say. In other words, they want to choose who is going to lead them. And so in that case, you know, it, it might call for one of those styles over the other that you really, the leader has to, to decide, okay, how much of my natural disposition and, and where I really am in my sweet spot do I need to, to bring out as opposed to, you know, I'm not really all that comfortable with this affiliative kind of leadership where I have to then <laughs> gather frequently or do things to, to identify with them. And so, you know, that might be a little bit of an uncomfortable space that, that they need to grow into if, if the people they are leading and their preferences call for that. So when you watch TV shows that have different leaders in them, if you look at like a Michael Scott versus a, a Parks and Rec leader, do you ever look at these and say, you know, you could actually learn something from him from people you wouldn't expect? Or is it, you know, what, what are those type of leadership skills that come out in, in these type of shows that people can relate to? Yeah, I, I think when you talk about Michael Scott, I mean, you know, you learn obviously both ways. You learn what you don't want to be like and you weren't learn what you do want to be like. And so as I got through sharing with you those six leadership styles, I, I, it dawned on me, man, you know, I might be given the impression that this leadership thing is complicated. I, I don't it's not. I think you can study it and get better. I think resonance is a good word. You know, some leaders feel good to you. They, it's a fit. You're willing to follow them. And so some you're not willing to follow. So as I look at those, you know, I think that's one thing that probably strikes folks uh, almost immediately is that when you're in the room with someone there if there is a group of people the law of the leader going back to Maxwell who was real big in leadership circles and I love his work especially the 21 laws of leadership you know there's one of those that says the the strongest leader will naturally gravitate to the top and be recognized by the group. So what you just described, I'm straying a little bit from your question, although I think it's relevant. I think there's a resonance with, you know, there's certain things that resonate with us and that don't resonate with us. And we want to often either follow or imitate what does resonate strongly or feel right. And then we want to avoid that, which, you know, really elicits a, a very, uh, unpleasant or negative kind of impression that it makes on us personally. A little bit within that, you know, Rob, we know that you're, you're passionate about helping people empower positive change within themselves and with others. How do you help them apply those different leadership skills? You just talked about, you know, that there are some leaders that we naturally want to follow and some that we naturally turn our noses and backs to and are, you know, are resistive to. How do you help pull those positive things and get people to apply those skills in leadership? Yeah, you know, a lot of leadership can be taught, but I think the most transformative or the stuff that sticks is what's caught. So, and, and I realize, you know, sometimes we use these trite sayings like that, but, you know, it's, it's better caught than taught. But I do think that's true. And there's some neurophysiological evidence that that's the case. The way we're wired, you know, the mirror neuron circuitry, it does. And that's really part of the definition of resonant leadership. We are able to influence and impact others by our presence. 
And so being in touch, being in contact, whether verbally, physically, or, oh my gosh, by Zoom, right? I mean, what, what how you describe that? Are you really there with them? Or those all are things that I think are important if you're not interacting with people with either your presence, your words, your communication and written, you know, the written or spoken word, it's going to be difficult to really influence them and impact them. So looking for places where you can make those touches, both in a group setting as well as one-on-one, I think those are, are the best ways to, to try to seed, if you would, and then spread your influence of leadership. Do you feel like technology has changed leadership requirements in any way? So, I mean, obviously, when people have you know been studying leadership for thousands upon thousands of years, but now that we have this new medium, has that changed anybody's you know required styles or preferences? You know, I, I think you can be more skillful in, in how you come across. You're certainly able to impact larger numbers of people. I don't think the technology changes the fundamentals, though. The fundamentals remain the same, and it's really where you're coming from and how you want to, to influence people then that is picked up on by whatever technology you use. Remember, people would would have thought of writing or a book. I'll put it to you. The words in a book is is an advanced form of technology. I love that little YouTube clip where the you know the two monks are reading a scroll and and then the other guy comes in. Hey, I've got a book, <laughs> and then he. He starts asking questions like people usually do when they're being introduced to a new a new technology or a new IT system. Oh, interesting. I haven't seen that. That sounds entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't unroll it. You, you move one page to the left and then to the right, and you write on both sides. Fascinating. Right. <laughs> yeah, look it up. It's, it's a great clip. I will do so. I think this brings up um, actually a, a point. I was just in a workplace book club, and we read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence others. And I just thought that that was so amazing about, I mean, the book is almost a hundred years old, you know, 80 years old. And if you take a look at our culture and the world and everything that has changed in the time since he wrote that book, but yet how completely applicable, even some of his analogies and and the different stories that he tells, I mean, it it was, it was unbelievable to me. And and I feel like that's, that's a little bit of what, what you were talking on there as far as the technology change, correct? Yeah, it is. I mean, at the end of the day, if you really define leadership, you know, there's lots of different definitions and, but one of them, I think that reaches to the core of it is being able to I don't want to use the word sell, but inspire a vision that you have for something and get other people to join their efforts in achieving that with you. And that is right. That's an, at its core, an emotional, I don't know, dare I say almost spiritual, it has those connotations. So, you know, it's not intellectual. Oftentimes we see people and we'll even say, hey, I'd follow that person. I'd storm the gates and come back with that person and and die if need be. I mean, I know that's kind of an allusion to maybe some extreme forms where in its ultimate test or challenge in times of war, you know, people, those kind of things arise. I mean, they follow the person. In fact, it's often said people don't leave a job. They leave their leader or their manager first. And so I think in many cases that's true. We're really willing to put up, and history would show this, put up with really some um, dire circumstances when we're following really good leaders. And then you can also see some instances where, you know, things seem to be good on the outside and man, people just, you know, they're not going to stick around. So people really do. It really is a back to your example of Dale Carnegie's book. There's things there that are just basic fundamentals 
that people understood. And I think we've gotten better at describing them, defining them, doing research to show which ones may have more impact. But at the end of the day, you know, these fundamental elements remain the same. You just brought up again, you know, in times of war and, and just kind of circling back to the, the times that we're in now, what are some challenges or obstacles that you've noticed either in yourself as a leader or in, in the leaders around you in the past few months as we're all we're all dealing with with something new? It's not equivalent to wartime, but I know that, you know, the state of Minnesota here where, where Curtis and I are at, they've enacted, you know, the National Guard and, and things like that. So there is a, an element to that in the background of all of this. Yeah, no, there there is. Back to kind of our, our premise that the fundamentals don't change. The circumstances do, clearly, and, and that's the case here. It is a trying time, a challenge, as opposed to, to great opportunities, but usually challenges lead to great opportunities. So I think the best way to bucket this, I like buckets, I like categorizing things because they're easier to grasp. I think the first thing that is just reinforced with this crisis is the need to lead yourself first. In other words, how are you relating to yourself as a leader? And that's really kind of the transformational part of it, how you relate to a lot of different things. I think Daphne Scott, I don't think, in her latest book, I don't know if I can mention her latest book here, but I I think it's wonderful. You know, there's five things that that we relate to and they really impact how we go about our business of leading. That's time, money, yourself. I mentioned that and I think that comes first. Your relationships and then the future, the unknown. And so to be able to relate to all those other things because what we're talking about the COVID crisis, right, affects our time, affects our money for sure, and relationships, and heck, where's all this going? So being able to, to have a transformational element of, of knowing who you are and how you relate to yourself and what you're paying attention to and being present then positions you to engage with these other five relationships I just described and as Daphne describes in her book so well, because then it doesn't really matter whether it's COVID, whether it's a financial depression or recession, something like we experienced back in 2008, whether it's a Great Depression, like in the 20s, or whether it's a world war. I mean, when we understand those elements and relate to ourselves well or know how to be present with ourselves, and then we can take on those other five key elements that you know, often have everybody's attention. So really it's, it's kind of, it's going along that hierarchy of needs is what it kind of sounds like to me, where if you have your understanding with those needs being met, you're more likely to get through those type of trying times without being overstressed or overworried, correct? Yes. You can relate to them as they are, not as you think they should be or want them to be or need them to be. In other words, you know, knowing who you are as opposed to who you think you need to be and having that really settled then allows you to observe things from a, a very, I guess, realistic perspective. You know, we all complain as for time, for example. Well, I don't have enough time. Well, no, you have all the time you need to execute on, you know, the priorities. You may not be able to do it all at the same time. And so some people will look at time very different, you know, from a scarcity as opposed to an abundance mindset where then being able to sort what the priorities are, you're able to, to make those decisions and influence things the way you'd like them to be. And, and I would say you'd be, you're able to respond to reality as it is, as opposed to react and being reactive. Do you want to reduce risk at your company, connect with others and eliminate injuries? Fit for Work is the partner that you need to accomplish all three of these things. Whether you're a Fortune 500 company, a small startup, and any size in between, Fit for Work has options to personalize our service to make you and those you work with safer and do so in a way that will make your workload easier. 
Look us up at wellworkforce.com and click on connect with us to learn more. What type of conversations help a person see those, see that reality? Or how, how do you help somebody develop that? What, if I'm a coach, if I'm, or if I'm somebody you're coaching, what are some examples of ways you would help me better understand my leadership potential? You know, in terms of better understanding that or in answer to that question, you know, figuring out who you are first, you know, what am I, what, what, where am I at and where do I want to go? And so that often will allow people to, to make some or force them, if you would, to have ask some deep questions. You know, what, what is it that really am I passionate about? What's my vision for the future? What are my interests? So that's why if with my clients, we always start off with that. I mean, some people can, I hate referring to it as a life plan, but uh, you, you, there is, there does need to be a vision for, for what it is you want to do. And, and good leaders, you know, leaders who promote flourishing in themselves and others have what I call enlightened self-interest. They're able to get to that point where they want what's best for themselves and others. And if if that's the starting point in recognizing, and it may not be, I mean, you may really, a leader it sometimes may go, wow, you know, what I'm, I'm really after is a lot of power, or may, maybe it's a, a lot of money, or maybe it's, uh, I, I'm trying to, I'm pursuing an image of what I think I need to be, as opposed to, okay, what's your real motive and what are you passionate about? And then beginning to answer those questions, which goes back to my point, you need to be able to lead yourself well first before you lead others. Rob, it's come up twice now, and I've just been sitting back waiting to say something about it. But I really, I really like what you're saying about how leaders need to basically they need to be themselves. And they need to be themselves and not be just what you're saying, who they think they need to be. You know, it's, it's come up a couple of times here in the answers. And I've, like I said, I've just been biting my tongue and waiting to, to just pull this out and discuss it a little bit further. Is there a, is there a way for people to, to turn off that thought process of who I need to be or who, you know, what do I need to do for them today? Or, or that, how can you do that balance or can we discuss this further? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one is being open and receptive. So that's a scary place to be because it's it's the unknown. Some examples that we see from popular culture, we've all heard the stories of, you know, people who've been through medical school actually achieved accolades. They really don't want to be a doctor. They want to, you know, run a McDonald's franchise. I mean, so we can get cast in these roles that that we take on because of other people's expectations because of the expectations we place on ourselves, based on what we think we need. And so self-discovery is really important in them being open to that. And so I'll give you some examples. There are some leaders who now, and a few who are present CEOs in our company, they started small with a small enterprise and, and they really did not see themselves as being able or ever leading a large organization with several hundred, even thousands of people. Well, one of those, we jokingly, through our sessions, you know, she referred to herself as the reluctant CEO. She's incredibly effective. So, you know, it wasn't really on her radar to be in the context of leading a large company. On the other hand, and I'll use myself as an example here, have achieved quite a bit throughout my career and in our own companies held all kinds of roles of leadership. And what I, I kind of thought this early on or felt this as I reflected back, but you know, my, I do best in, in really being a leader who supports other leaders, a good lieutenant, for example. Now that may not fit well with some people. In other words, they think to be a leader, I need to be in charge or the boss or whatever title, the CEO. Hey, you know, some of the most effective leaders you never really hear about. <laughs> and I'm not saying I'm one of those. I'm just saying that 
we need, you know, by self-awareness, you become able to discern what you're passionate about, where you're most effective, and then being really comfortable with where you lead best in a particular context. For me, I lead best in the context of supporting other leaders, high-level leaders being really successful. I can do the other. That's not where I'm at my best, though. So it might be that a person really, you know, they lead at their best with a local team of five people. And that's exactly where they're going to have their biggest impact. So getting beyond the expectations that you might have that are influenced by others or what people have told you you need to be or what you think a leader is. That is really key to being able to find your sweet spot, I think. And and what you were just saying about the uh, lieutenant part of it, it circles back to one of our very first questions as far as, can anybody be a leader within a company? How would you encourage others to find out what you know, their leadership style is, or, you know, we talked about those six leadership styles. How would you encourage others to wiggle around or become comfortable, find out who they are so that they can lead from any spot within a organization? Part of that's probably reflective self-reflection. Some people may not want to be right. I mean, now people listening to this podcast probably are. <laughs> so I'm going to assume that that's the case. At the end of the day, you know, the case would be if you want to have a flourishing life, you will need to lead yourself well. Do you have ambitions beyond that? In other words, do you have a passion? Do you have a, a motivation that's coming from within to be able to do more for other people, more good for other people, influence them for your organization to get the results above and beyond what you're currently experiencing? And if the answer to those questions is yes, or, and I, I would include family in that, then okay, start discovering how to do that, what works well. And so part of it would then go back to, again, what my friend Daphne Scott talks about, and that's being present and paying attention. What are my motivations? Am I seeing things as they are as opposed to how I think they need to be or the stories that I'm telling myself? And then what is it that I want to see? And this gets back into a key role of leadership, and that's vision. You know, what is your, what is it that you want to do? for yourself and others, because that really is going to be a, a driving force into then having a why for discovering whatever style. And again, Goldman has six and in that those are, it's been said that all models are wrong. Some are helpful. <laughs> I think that's a good model. <laughs> um, you know, so just learning a little bit more about what it is you want for yourself and others. That's a beginning place. And if that's the case, then I, I think probably, there's a number of avenues you could take. One of the best maybe is um, finding a model or thinking of a leader in your life who's really been effective and influenced you. What was it about that person that causes me to continue to hold them in high regard? So to use another quote, I think it's of Jim Rohn, you know, success leaves clues. Look at successful leaders and then figure out what it is that they're doing that resonates with you and that perhaps maybe you'd like to incorporate into what it is you're doing. And do you personally feel that the, there's different apps that are helpful with this? Or do you feel disassociation from technology, just writing things down on a piece of paper? What is kind of effective to get that ball started for people? Okay, this may be one that no one wants to hear because Pascal said, you know, the thing that man fears most is being alone with him or herself in a room for five minutes. 
or something to that effect. And I'm guessing he didn't good, have a cell phone with him. <laughs> no, this was in the 1600s. Exactly. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> so so that, that's evidence that we have always tried to distract ourselves, right? Because, you know, I mean, 1600s, there was still a lot of manual labor and you had a lot of time and you were by the fire. But a lot of people, we find ways to distract ourselves regardless of what age we live in. And it's, I will say this, it's, it's definitely easier now than it was back then. And even back then, people resisted the need to not just be alone, but be alone and engage with your thoughts, with your own musings and, and where your mind was. That's a difficult thing to do. So that's one place where I, I think that's, I know that's where it begins. I, I have no doubt in my own experience. And then as I read others, oftentimes, you know, you'll read about these moments people have, and they come from a place of being willing to, to ask and to be open. And that's kind of a scary place to be because you're not really sure what might come up. It sounds like, to kind of sum it up, that to be an effective leader, you have to be willing to be comfortable with yourself and have those moments of open conversation to discover what is your passion, what is your vision, what do you really want. And if you want to be a leader to others so that they can find happiness, that's a true sign of a, of a positive leader. Yeah, and I would say just one clarification to the comfortable part. I think that the key is to be able to be comfortably uncomfortable because it is not comfortable doing that in the beginning. Right, so it should come and develop with time. It's obviously that balance between pushing yourself without burning yourself out. Yeah, great great analogy and, and great point to identify and highlight is that there's always going to be this tension of more or less where's the sweet spot you know what's the you know we want to become more comfortable and to do that we have to be uncomfortable first typically and if people want to get more information about your coaching program where can they go to you know right now my role i've had do have a website you mentioned that coachforleadership.com I have not been actively posting there, but there's a lot of posts that reflect my philosophy, vision, content that I've curated. Right now, my, my main focus is talent development, leadership development at Confluent Health. So I'm engaged with uh, the CEOs of our companies as well as our, our team leaders, which are, direct our clinics and regional managers. So I've got my hands full there, but certainly the website is a great repository, I think, of some of my thoughts about leadership, productivity, social, emotional intelligence so people can can find and hopefully would find helpful content on and be able to communicate with me as well. Yeah. And just to leave that and, and encourage others to check out that website. One of the quotes that I saw there, and it's the first thing I think that pops up when you go to that website, is that leaders who feel stuck or overwhelmed deprive themselves and others of value. And I think that right now, at least personally, I've felt stuck and overwhelmed numerous times in the last few yeah, weeks. And yeah. so I think, you know, it really kind of circles everything back around as well, as far as if you take care of yourself, if you, you know, look at within and, and really focus on who you are and how you can help others. I think that that's a kind of a good way to get out of that feeling stuck in an overwhelmed rut. So I really enjoyed your website and looking through that. And I think others can can find a lot of good information from that and really enjoyed our time together today, Rob. Wonderful. It's been a pleasure to be here and thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much. We are really excited to have had Rob on the podcast with us and sharing a little bit about his knowledge and uh, experience 
with leaders and and through leadership and i just really was struck by the comment that you know leadership is more about knowing who you are and bringing those things to the table to offer them up opposed to looking at who you need to be if you think about it it's a lot easier to be you versus trying to fit into a shoebox of somebody that you think you need to be. And and often, you know, those perceptions aren't even correct for others anyway. So the best thing, just be yourself. I really, really, that struck me and I really like that a lot. Yeah, it it really is easier to feel yourself because people appreciate when you're genuine. I know that's one thing for me and all the leaders I've had. If I feel like they're not genuine, those are the ones I'm not content with. Those are the ones I don't want to follow. And I, I do appreciate how he talked about being, you know, making self-reflection a priority. And it doesn't sound like, you know, that this has been a problem that people have been having for a really long time of not wanting to self-reflect. And I think that's that uncomfortability. It's that getting started, being willing to spend five minutes alone with your thoughts. You know, hey, if that's too scary, try one minute of being willing to self-reflect and not trying to distract yourself. Because really, if if you're comfortable with yourself, people will want to follow you. I, I definitely feel that. So yeah, it was a fun conversation, good topics about leadership, and hopefully inspiring for those that are going through this unique times that we're in. Just want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen uh, to get started preventing injuries. Please visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us with any questions or comments to podcast at wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives. Thank you.